Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app today to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This podcast is brought to you by eHarmony, the dating app to find someone you can be yourself with. Why doesn't eHarmony allow copy and paste in first messages? Because you are unique and your conversations should reflect that. eHarmony wants you to find someone who will get you. How are you going to know who gets you if people send you the same generic conversation starters they message everyone else? Conversations that actually help you get to know each other. Imagine that. Get who gets you on eHarmony. Sign up today. Hey, this is Richard Patrick from Filter, and you're listening to my good friend John on Talking Metal. Rock, rock over London, Zurich, Auckland, Dublin, Dallas, Milwaukee, Los Angeles, Sydney, Indianapolis, Tokyo, Seattle, Paris, Budapest, Berlin, New York. Ladies and gentlemen, two men who are committed to rocking you wherever you might be, John Astronomy and Mark Striegel. Welcome to the Talking Metal Podcast, broadcasting around the world from TalkingMetal.com and StriegelsMusicNews.com. Hey, it's John Astronomy. It is Friday, October 1st. Welcome to another edition of Talking Metal. I am on the New York Waterway Ferry headed from New Jersey to Manhattan, and it's a rainstorm. Places are flooded. Most people can't actually get to work. I'm lucky because I live near the river, the Hudson River, and I just jump on a boat. and It takes me about 10 minutes, and I'm on the other side. So this episode is going to be another great one. It contains part two of my interview with Richard Patrick from Filter. Now, if you listen to part one, we ended with the song Hey Man, Night Shot from 1995 Short Bus. And basically what happened was I was stopping the tape for a second just to check and make sure everything was recording. And we started talking about the song. And then we got into a great conversation, so I decided to start recording it. And... Then we went on to talk about some of the new record and some of the past records and just a lot of other cool stuff. So without any further ado, to set the mood, let me get right back into Hey Man, Nice Shot. And then we'll hear the interview and we'll come back and finish up the show after that, okay? So right now, this is Filter with Hey Man, Nice Shot.
necessarily. It's just the idea of like, wow, balls to just do that, like publicly like that. There, you know, the Eastern culture is 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 based on like, it, there's a you know to to save shame, it's accepted to if you kill yourself, that's like a, yeah, you're being proud. You know what I mean? So it's weird. What was so strange about it is he had different envelopes, one with a note to his wife. He had one with his organ donor card, and then he had maybe one with something else. And then he had that manila envelope with the gun. And he, what he was talking about even before that was hinting that he's about to do something. Yeah. And it was so thought out. That was so weird. Yeah, it's so disturbing. I, I don't even like watching it as an adult. I Because, I, you know, it's weird. The older you get, the more sensitive you are to that stuff. When you're young and you're drinking with your buddies, it's kind of like, holy shit, look at that. But... It's hard. I it's it's really hard. It, it you know and he, and I had the camera angle footage of directly behind the wow. podium. So it's it's there's the one camera angle that's straight on and he shoots himself and you see something go on the back of the wall and he falls down and then I had the the footage of and it's the camera guy is in the photo where he puts the gun and he's actually in the photo. He had a fro. He had this like killer afro <laughs> and um he zeroes in on his face when he falls and slumps behind the podium his body kind of convulses and he kind of shudders and this the opening of the bullet the opening created a big hole in his nasal cavity so all the blood in his brain came out of poured his out of his nose like a faucet and it was just brutal plus there was a little blood that came out here which might have been a bullet fragment that kind of took a, a right turn and went out the it's just yeah that's and that's i haven't seen it in 10 years and i know all that you know what i mean right. so, so it must have really had a major effect of seeing something yeah. that disturbing the, the reality is and back in 19 you know 89 90 91 when 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 you know i was growing up and kind of turning into a, a 20 in my early 20s you know you just didn't see shit like you, you never saw I mean even faces of death wasn't as as graphic and as right. horrendous as that and um, you become morbidly curious like you know you, you you there's a curiosity about well what does death look like what is that and so you know now the kids that come back from Iraq are like you don't want to know and then I'm reading this uh, this book with the old breed by Eugene sledge his his you know he was literally at um oh god he was on he, he was on Okinawa and he was on um well the, the, a lot of the stuff that the really horrendous stuff is in Okinawa but all of it's bad but just the way people behaved during the war some of the things the soldiers did they you know they you know the the uh, the uh, Japanese uh you know they d- d- disembodied the, the the bodies of the American soldier but then the Americans would take gold teeth as souvenirs and it was like the things they did to the Japanese while some of them were still alive and just the and you just when you're in your early 20s it's just like what like that's possible you know because in america i'm saying because most right. of the the yeah, rest of the world right. fucking knows about that the rest of the world right. you know 80 percent of the people in the world don't have a car i mean that's an amazing fact you know um so uh you know hey man i shot um you know i saw that footage when i was a kid and you know i wanted to write something 
I didn't know what to write about. You know, I'm I'm 22, 21. Like, what am I going to write about? So having seen that and thinking about it, I just put some words together, and, like, within 10 minutes, it was written. And, uh, you know, it's the... You know, it's one of the biggest songs I ever wrote, and it's it's you know it's it's bizarre because it was released you know four or five years later after I wrote it, and it came out after Kurt Cobain had killed himself, and there are DJs that still talk about how that song is about Kurt Cobain, and I have the copyright to prove it. Right. I have it is copywritten back to like 1991, so. You know, unfortunately, but the record company kind of copyrights it, and it's 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 listed after. But you know, I ha- I I you know right. w- w- I can I can show you the computer that I did it on. I still have the computer that I did it on, and, and it's you know it's still in my studio, as like a as like a relic, and um, you know it, it really hurt me because you know Dave Grohl's driving down the road, hears the song, didn't think about it friend goes hey someone's trying to make money off of kurt's death and you know he actually he's like rich i i really like i i saw him and i said i just you have to hear this from me directly i'm going to look in i want you to look into my eyes the song was written before he died it's not about kurt cobain know that and no matter what you hear i want you to know that in my heart like i'm telling you it's not written and he goes you know what i totally believe you he goes, Rich, all the Foo Fighters stuff on the first record, he goes, honestly, so many people kept referring to, like, thinking I'm referring to it. He's like, I wrote that shit before I was in Nirvana. Right. So the public has this, and, and plus, you know, you know, they're stirring up controversy. And they're, you know, and it's it saddens me because I don't know if we fixed it, but in Amazon, at Amazon, in our bio, I read Amazon, it said, you know, Hey Man, Nice Shot was inspired by Kurt Cobain's suicide. And it, it, it breaks my heart that, like, a huge organization like that is so massive that they can't, you know, contact someone and let's get the real bio or something. Um, but since then, they I, I think, they did they fix it yet? They, 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 they did fix it. So we got it fixed in the year 2010. Um, but I'll tell you what, I, it, 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 you know, what are you supposed to do? I mean, you know, so I, I had to kind of publicly like come out and say, you know what? It was written kind of about our Bud Dwyer because he held a press conference. And I actually told that to someone in confidence in my label at the time. And they were like, dude, you want to know that they, you know, you know how those guys operate. Right, right. They, you know, <laughs> it's, uh, you're not allowed to hear, you're not allowed to hear what this is about, but. But you know, but dude, it's about that guy that held the press conference. It's it's yeah. it's not even about that. And then the world became an incredibly small place because now she lives, Mrs. Dwyer lives in Phoenix, and was like, wow. "What? Why are you dragging this out? He's got grandkids and blah blah." blah. I'm like, "Well, we never mentioned his name. It was it was I. It's it's still the song is vague, right. and right. it's it's and it's inspired by. It's not necessarily his." account of what he did it's about a it's about a suicide anybody's suicide so you know and we had to explain that to her and you know and it's just this big thing it's unfair that people don't fact check i can't believe that amazon put that on it's unfair to you that you have to go out you know do all this public talking about it when you're just trying to write a song and then you know a bunch of people that don't do their homework ruin it right but 
you know, again, like you know, it's 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 one of those things when when you have that many records coming out and that many things, it it can get, you know, it can get tough. So I I you know, it's it's just that yeah, I've I've been dealing with this for fifteen years. I've Sorry been. for bringing it up. No, no, no. You know what though? I'm 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 kind of I've accepted it, so it's cool. Here's one thing that's not about the lyrics or what the song is about. I think the riff behind the chorus part where it says, hey, man, nice shot, is one of the greatest ever riffs ever written. I got to say, I got to say, when it happened, I literally was like, does that sound too much like Soundgarden a little bit? I was a little, you know, a little second guessy with it, but I'm so glad that I stuck to my guns. Actually, I was right. I had performed it, and uh, this guy... um, Stu Zeckman was jamming with us, and he 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 stole it and and put it on the um, the uh, Stabbing Westward record, and um, they actually kind of found out about that, so they got rid of him, and, oh, and they wow. were like, "You can't take people's riffs and put them on our records." So, and I know Chris, you know, and um, actually he's in this band called The Dreaming, which is really good, um, but he was he was like, "Yeah, that's not cool." Wow. So yeah, he. He stole it from me, and uh, we, it was funny because we before we released it, we said, "Hey, we're gonna just take our song, and you take your song, and you know that's that." And, and he and he's like, "Okay." So and then ours was this like massive hit, and it was just kind of like, "Oh wow, look what we did!" <laughs> you know, it's kind of it kind of like was vindication. You know, if you're gonna rip people off, you better you know. So it was cool to have that. Like, hey man. We actually had massive success with ours. What did you guys do? Right. So They actually put it on the record? Yeah, a it's record? a song called Ungod. I'm going to check it out. You know, I just want to hear how blatantly yeah. somebody it's could take part. a riff. Wow. But they put so much stuff on the top of it that, like, you can't really hear it as mad. Like, ours was, like, guitar, drums, right. vocal. There was no – and some crazy sound design, but that was, like, way off in the distance. You know, you know what's really funny is that – Back in in that time period, would that come out in like ninety five? Yep. In uh, ninety one to ninety four ish, was was in a band with Mark, who's the co-host of Talking Metal, and we had a song, and it had a similar riff. And then when when your song came out, we did the respectable thing and kind of said, "Well, you know, is this too close?" Because right. we don't want people to think that we're copying you guys. The, but. the weird thing is, is that like if Chuck Berry walked around with like, you know, the knowledge that like you know three chords and the truth and like he could have i don't know how he could have sued every single person that ever put you know what is it c g d that's that's it that's rock and roll and there were so many variances on that chord progression but the reality is is um you know we were actually sued because someone thought they could uh copyright two chords and like it was the first, there were there were first two chords of um, take a picture, and it's kind of like the rite of passage. There's there's you know, oh you're being sued for copyright infringement. Welcome to being in the top ten. Right. You know, welcome welcome to these hot no top five. We made it to number four. So and I'm like, well, what does that mean? Well, there's a judge that doesn't understand music theory, and he's siding with you know he's he's allowing right, he's letting so, it he's letting it. so you know I I you know I arm myself to the fucking teeth with you know 
lawyers and 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 you know musicians and and you know professors and like you know and then they it came down to a video deposition and i just said you can't copyright two chords plus and he's trying to get me on like i heard his music first or something i'm like like how did you hear their music i'm like i'm like truth be told about take a picture the fucking bass line is almost identical to a song called Bad by U2. They're not coming after me because you know why? I think they got it from Peter Gabriel, a song called Biko, <laughs> which is exactly the same bass line as Biko. So, you know, it's almost – I'm like if you really want to start, you know, hemming and hawing over <laughs> copyright shit, why don't you go call U2 and pull them in here because they'll fucking – They'll like be like, who gives a shit? You, little filth, why would we want to? So it, it became like really funny. And like, you know, you, you end up spending some money on that kind of stuff. But yeah, it was, it was, you know, it was amazing. I mean, it was back when I was using alcohol and drugs and everything. But I got ready for that deposition. I got, I was sobered up and I got in my suit and I sat there and did this video deposition. And they said, what do you think of this whole lawsuit? I said, I said, it's astounding. This entire thing astounds me. And, 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 like, they had nothing. Like, that was the end of the this big, huge thing. And they're like, do you know blah, 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 blah. I'm like, no. And I'm like, I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? I don't know any of these people. Like, it was amazing. It was so – I've never felt more – like, that was the one time in court where I was, like, absolutely like, yes! <laughs> and, and, and my lawyer, Orion, who's – he has worked with all these amazing megastars for this particular thing – and he goes, hands down, in the 25 years I've been doing this, you were the best witness I have ever wow. had. There was one, because we had a thing. He's like, I'm going to tap your foot if you get crazy, and you just got to be careful. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> and so he, and he, like was, he was like yawning or something, or like he was like stretching, and he accidentally tapped my foot, and I went, and he goes, no, you're doing great. And I was like, <laughs> and I'm like, it was really funny. It was really funny. But yeah, you know. Wow. Yeah, do this stuff. This is funny because most of the kids are like, "Dude, people get sued in rock and roll." It's like, "Yeah, dude." Yep. It's not just for putting your ball sack on someone's head like <laughs> Marilyn Manson. It's the funniest thing I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> so let's tell all the people who are listening today where they can not only hear the music but where they can see it. And we encourage everybody to go out and actually buy the whole album, The Trouble with Angels, yeah. because I like to have – I like to listen to an album together. I like to listen to all the songs together. What do you think about that? I, I think you're absolutely right and only for this reason. The artist, the, the, the Grammy-nominated artist that did Short Bus and Title of Record, the original old-school-looking records, brought it. We have Brian Prozacki and Deborah Norcross, and we made a package that is so amazing and beautiful, and I'm, I'm absolutely saying it from the bottom of my heart. It folds out, and it, this beautiful angel like pops out from, from her graphics, you get when you buy the deluxe, which is actually on sale over at Best Buy for nine ninety nine. You get two discs. One, it's almost a double record. It's all, it's just shy of a double record, and you get this big poster. And I'm so proud of the packaging. And we worked on it so hard. And we like every day we're sending back JPEGs back and forth to try and make it just absolutely perfect. And there's so many hidden messages about what the record's about, the numerology, everything has meaning and everything has like this intellectual kind of 
uh, philosophical discussion that's been going on for thousands of years, and we just put our two cents in. And um, I recommend you go to Best Buy. I recommend that you go to the store with everything in my heart to buy that that deluxe because you get so much more songs. The the bonus tracks that are on the deluxe are absolutely. There's a song that I have written. For, it's 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 called Plume, Plumes of Smoke. It's actually written from the perspective of Saddam Hussein watching George Bush enter his country and like he's waiting for. Uh, He's waiting for George Bush to come in, you know, dethrone him from his, you know, his throne in the in the um, the the um, sandbox, as I call it, and um, you know, and just the insanity of what he must have been thinking of, as as you know, and it's 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 negative as, sh- as shit. It's not, it's just, again, it's not pro or negative. It's not. It, it's 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 not. It's just, it's just examining the phenomenon of where he was at. And just taking a look at it, and like it's just like our Dwyer. It's like he, you know he he held a press conference and he killed himself. It's like inspired by. So I have all these weird lyrics like that, and I love that. And I, I absolutely go to Best Buy and get the deluxe. It's it's wholeheartedly like like it's such a good thing. Nine ninety nine. I mean that's cheap for not only a single record but for a near double album, two CDs. And some unbelievable packaging that's like three dimensional. It's not just like a jewel case. It's completely collector's item stuff. It's completely. It's one for the books. I mean, it's really cool. You listeners, a lot of you guys are you know young people. But when I was uh, young, and I'm sure the same with Richard, I would read every word mm-hmm. on any record. And like you said, there's a lot of hidden messages. So, yeah. and it's a cool thing, guys. You should go do it because yeah. iTunes is okay when you want to download a tune, but you're missing the experience that Richard intended for you to have when listening to this. And guys, you can save up nine ninety nine. Go buy it. Yeah, really, shit. They're, they're like, dude, I just bought a new terabyte hard drive. I can't afford nine ninety. You know. You could do it. And the video for the Inevitable Relapse premiered on Yahoo. What's pretty cool is that Matt Larson and people over at Rocket Science and you guys all collaborated on who was the director, right? Jesus Rodriguez. Uh, Alicia, this like very mild-mannered computer person, came up with this whole thing of like, you know, I I don't – I hate being so on the nose, but, you know, the Inevitable Relapse was just like – let's talk about my drug problem and you know because i couldn't say anything back in the day my parents were watching this and i didn't want to be so public but now that i'm you know uh, you know uh, i've been sober for so long it's like let's let's talk about that great because a lot of the times we're good you know a lot of those that's the problem with drugs is there's a lot of good times when you're doing that crazy shit there's a lot of bad times and you can die but there's 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 years where it works so um uh, the inevitable relapse we started making the video and we were like we were talking to jesus and then someone had mentioned like this idea of like well we have this idea of like this this really hot girl who like has this guy and he's like been kidnapped or he's just like been he's like in he's in some kind of handcuffs and i'm like no snm bullshit i don't want any of that fucking subculture stuff in my video like i'm not you know nothing against it right. i just we're not that bent and so you know, the whole thing was she has got him. She's got control of him. She's punching him. They, you know, you think he hates it. 
and then he runs he escapes while she's in the shower he goes downstairs and you see him turn around and think to himself and he goes right back up for more that's addiction that is the complete it's a beautiful girl that beats the fucking shit out of you every night with a fucking hammer and we didn't use the hammer because you know we 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 were hoping to maybe get it on some TV shows, but right. that's actually pretty hard. <laughs> but we had to keep it graphic because we wanted that, you know. Um, and and you come back for more. That's the thing. You you come back for more with addiction. So the new plan is with some videos. If I can talk a little yeah, bit yeah. about that, is I've actually come up with this whole thing that like, you know, maybe we do like I know the German record company Nuclear Blast wants to do. Fades Like a Photograph is a single. Which is a great song. And that was also on the 2012 soundtrack, right? Yeah, it was written by – it was co-written by me and this guy, Eric uh, Harold Clouser and his buddy Tom. And they had kind of had this music before, and I, tra- I transposed it to uh, D and, like, worked on it. But he actually wrote the script with uh, Roland Embrick and wow. was the producer. And he has – he literally has – a shirt that says "I am multitasking," like right. he he and he's the composer Jeez. of the movie. So he's <laughs> like, you know, he's amazing. But he he um he's like Richard. I love the way because he's from Austria. He's like I love the way that you uh you know the the way that you sing, and I want to collaborate with you. And I love anthems for the damn. Let's get together. And he he like sang this melody, and I tweaked it, and and actually resung. I came up with this whole new melody, and then added words that he had. He's like, remember, have Richard, have you ever taken mushrooms in the desert and watched the sun go down? And like, you just want to take a mental photograph of the whole thing. And I'm like, yeah, it's kind of like. It was at the the whole. It was funny. the 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 idea behind the song lyrics was actually another movie, um, Blade Runner, where Rutger Howard actually wrote the part where he goes, um, "All these memories will disappear, like, or all these memories will fade away, like tears in rain." I think it was. I don't know if that's the exact line, but that. You know, all these memories... No, all these memories will be lost in time like tears in rain. And that's just the most profound, amazing... Right. Uh, so I actually w- grabbed that and then I started writing Fades Like a Photograph, which actually is all, another thing about that song. In many ways, it's kind of like a sequel to Take a Picture. You know, it's like... Right. You know, it's like... You know, it's it's... So... Plus, this version is different than the the version that appeared on the 2012 soundtrack, right? This is actually a brand new version. We 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 didn't have uh, the expertise of Bob Marlette, and I told Bob like we we absolutely have to redo it. We wanna we wanna put it on. I want a different version. We we kind of told our fans that it was going to be available in it, in its in a different form, and he goes, "I'm all over it." And we decided to go with a non guitar. Uh, or a non-electric guitar, non-drum performance, because Old School Filter had a lot of those, like songs where it was just full programming and um, old drum machine sounds, and you know. And so he, you know, he was like, "I'm mixing it." I'm like, "What about the other version?" He's like, "Don't worry about it." And he called me up and like, "It's in your hard drive." And I went onto my iDisc and heard it, and I was like, "That's just the great." And I actually moved it up to song where song five is which is where no re-entry is but bob was like you can't you've got to go with something new you can't go with something re kind of re a a different version 
And I was like, okay. And so um, we put No Reentry, which I thought was going to be the last song on the record. The... Um, because it has a like a like a three minute long piano solo in it, which he played. Wow. Actually, he's oh, actually cool. a gifted, gifted, super amazing piano player, and um, he uh, he he. You know, I thought so. I thought it was going to drift off into this whole thing, but like it's it's. I think it's bold that there's a 32 uh, measure guitar solo at the very intro of the record, which. By the way, I played that solo. I wow. break every known rule in music, period, playing that solo, and which I'm very proud of because pulling off an avant-garde solo with a uh, played with two, uh, you know, played with two screwdrivers on the strings. I think it, you know it's never been done. And then also his his solo way up in the in the front of the record, I think, is just really cool to to get away with that. I know you've done some of this stuff live. Now, how many dates are you doing, you know, in the next month or two? We're doing a promo tour where we're just kind of hitting the major, like the major cities like New York, Chicago, Los Angeles. We're doing, and we're doing press surrounding that. We did a couple of, uh, am I, I don't know if I'm allowed to mention this. We did a, an acoustic performance at LimeWire, which they have three songs. Is that bad? No, that? No, no, this is radio. This is radio. Okay. Yeah, that's right. Um, yeah. Metal radio. Yeah. Um, uh, so yeah, we did an acoustic performance at LimeWire, um, which the kids can can go check out as soon as tomorrow. Um, and this is going to be it's yeah, it's out now, be. right? And um, we're doing all kinds of stuff like that. I think there's going to be some TV later on, you know, later on this month after we figure out what our next single is going to be. Um, there's just a lot of stuff. Oh, we're going back to I can't really say this, but we're we're going back to the Mid East for a chunk of of a particular month. Um, and uh, we're not allowed to talk about it because it's considered troop movement. So the last time we were in Iraq, we got uh, we had we were uh, we were under a rocket attack, and a rocket attack happened while we were there. It was unbelievable. It was the scariest, most exhilarating, incredible. It was essentially combat. I mean, you know, it wasn't full on like the with machine guns blaring and everything like that, but the fear in everybody's eyes was real and it was like get down and we were all on the yeah. ground and I'm like wow one of these nice people is probably going to die you know it was just amazing so um so we survived that came back and like now it's a year later and we got to get our fix like hurt locker <laughs> you know we got to get our fix so we're going back well, it's great that you guys are doing that and um you really are one of the most Hardworking, uh, you know, musicians out there because I think of uh, going to I think it was the Bowery Ballroom to see Army of Anyone, and since then you did that record. You've done that was the yeah. record for the Iraqi right. soldiers. Yeah, I mean, I love what I do, and and like I'm prepared to work really, really hard for it. And it's it's weird because you, I don't know when you when you're not really when you, you know it didn't gel right after I got sober. There was there was a, there was some. There was some misfires and there was some weirdness and and um, you know it, it just feels like now and and especially the resp- response that we're getting from the fans is that like you're totally back on track now let's just get this thing back to where it was and tour and do everything and 
you know, it feels like it's really good to work. It feels really great to sing things acoustic. It feels really great to just feels like everything's gelling and it's in its right place. And I just hope it continues, you know. Well, I think it will. And one thing I just wanted to say that before we close off here is that I love where you are and where Filter is right now. But all the other stuff that you've done and even some maybe stylistically different stuff that you did with Filter, I think it was all cool, you know. Right. Yeah, I, I, you know, you tend to. You know, unfortunately, sometimes you tend to, to to become the sum total of of you know you know your chart position, uh, and I should probably um, be aware of that sometimes. But you know, the reality is, is I you know having thrown my I mean you know I, I I'm friends with the band that like started off at the exact same time we did, and they're like gigantic, and they literally write the same song exactly the same way for every single record there's not one deviation it's the same thing they don't they were you know they wear the same clothes it's like it's kind of spooky and i have you know my record company was like rich you know you did hey man nice shot you handed us take a picture what the fuck are you doing it's such a departure how are we going to deal with this actually howie klein was accepting of that he was like i don't care i believe in this band you know we want to we want to because i was handing him take a picture it's like what are you doing we we've got this formula we got the hey man nice shot you're you're a rock band be that you use drum machines don't don't you don't add new drums there's a lot of people that were saying that howie was like listen they're artists they're going to do what they want to do warner brothers was always an artist oriented label especially reprise so they let me be bold I think that the audience has been like after that. Then I get sober. Then I cancel a tour. Then I no, actually I canceled the tour. Then I got sober. Then I did Army of Anyone. Then I did like you know. There's all this other stuff, and it's like my audience has like been waiting for you know f- since title of record and Amalgamut and Short Bus to like when are you really gonna have that that record that says? So I agree. I I I have pushed them to the limit on what. I like I have experimented. I worked with new people. I fucking worked with Robert and Dean DeLeo and Ray Luzier. Like I have creatively I have achieved like I have gone where I wanted to go. Now it's time to literally focus in on you know the greatest years of my career, you know, and 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 go specifically for the audience that made those records platinum because you know why because it's the right thing to do because those guys have been waiting you know and so i ma- i made a conscious conscious decision and that's why i don't you know even the tribute record you know anthems for the damned it was still a big departure from what they're used to so you know and I agree. And they were, and they were like, literally, fans were like, "Dude, can't you just do stuff that's like title? Can't you just do?" And I'm like, you know what? Title was an experiment. Title of record was a huge departure from what I had done. That those first two records were like, one was black, the other one was white. It was totally, completely different. So the fact that they're saying title, you know, like is already creatively. There's so many places I can go with that. So I, I kind of took that and went, you know what? You're, you're right. And I just brought back the aggression and I focused in on the songwriting and I made sure that the songs were fucking good. And that's the best I can do. So 
with that being said, Trouble with Angels, the, the kids are saying it's the best filter record yet. I agree. Congratulations on a great album. I think it's amazing, and we're going to encourage everybody who listens to our show to go out and go to Best Buy and buy that record. Yeah. Without a doubt. So thank you very much, Richard. I really appreciate it coming on today, and I've been a fan of yours for a long time. Awesome. Thank you. from the trouble with angels go out and buy that record i want to thank richard patrick i want to thank michelle fuentes welch and everybody who helped put this interview together thanks again go out buy the new record the trouble with angels buy the deluxe edition two cds lots of cool stuff as you heard in both interviews and uh, thanks again to everybody uh visit us guys at www.talkingmetal.com Go to our Twitter page, our Facebook page, all of those different things, the Talking Metal Forums, which is TalkingMetalForums.com. And before I close out today, I want to tell everybody about a really special event. Tuesday, October 5th, Ace Frehley will appear at Redemption Song. It's an amazing event at Carnegie Hall's Zankel Hall in New York City. And the event is going to be hosted by Henry Rollins. It's going to feature Steven Adler, original drummer of Guns N' Roses, Daryl McDaniels from Run DMC, Ricky Lee Jones, and the one, the only, Ace Frehley. So, guys, you can buy tickets for this. Go to acefrehley.com, and you will find out all of the information that you're going to need about this great event, which is coming up Tuesday, October 5th. And then if you're in the Florida area... That one's in New York City, by the way. If you're in the Florida area later in the week, Ace and I will be heading down to the Spooky Empire show, which is going to be in Orlando, Florida, on Friday, Saturday, and Sunday of next week, which is the 8th, 9th, and 10th. So check that out. You get a chance to come and meet Ace. You can get some cool stuff signed. And we really hope to see all of the Ace fans show up down in Orlando, Florida, because it's going to be a really killer event. Okay, guys, so we're going to close today's show with my favorite track off of Ace Frehley's Anomaly. This is Genghis Khan.
around. You can find cars like these on Auto Trader, like that car riding your tail. Or if you're tailgating right now, all those cars doubling as kitchens and living rooms are on Auto Trader too. Are you working out and listening to this ad at the same time? Well, multitasking pro, cars like the ones in the gym parking lot are for sale on Auto Trader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on Auto Trader. Just you wait. Auto Trader.